I look at this as a crime in progress and that we're trying to prevent the president from rigging the next election. Yeah. Me too. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Holy mackerel. Well, you know what? Let's start here. The gods... <laughs> uh, hi, Desi Doyen. <laughs> the uh, gods must be really angry. And i got to tell you, they probably have good reason. Emergency personnel across parts of the Deep South are searching for survivors today after storms and dozens, dozens of suspected tornadoes raced through the region, killing at least four people, tearing through homes and businesses, toppling trees and power lines. At least a dozen people were injured. Damage was reported in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas. Tens of thousands of customers are without power. Uh, In all, there were 27 reports of tornadoes across the region on Monday, according to the Storm Prediction Center. Now, of course, major winter storms are not unusual this time of year. But they're normally snowstorms, aren't they? As opposed to tornadoes, including in this case, dozens of them, 27 of them, Desi Doyen. Well, so, yes, it is weird. It seems to have tornadoes in December, but it is not that rare, actually. It does happen occasionally. It does feel like it's happening a bit more often than it used to, but the data is still mixed, and there's a lot that has to go into determining that. Okay, I remember a couple of years ago, your sister was right around Christmas uh, Day. Hey, uh, down was, in Dallas. There was an EF4 tornado yeah. that, that passed just a block from her house yeah. uh, on the day after Christmas. It was unusual, but it is not unheard of. Okay, it's not unheard of. No. But 
and I know that your sister saw one there, so to speak, but 27 of them, Desi Doyen, really? There have been prior major tornado outbreaks Uh in December before. There was one, like, I think it was uh, 1991 or something. So they do happen, but they are occasional. They're not uh, something that happens frequently. One tornado was on the ground for 63 miles, according to the National Weather Service in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Meteorologist Donald Jones said, I don't know what our records are for the longest total in this area, but that has got to be close. Still nothing to worry about? Just I didn't totally say normal? there was nothing to worry oh, about. Okay. I just All said right. that they do happen. All right. Well, and uh, obviously, <laughs> every single weather event that now happens happens in a climate changed, global warming mm-hmm. world. More storms could affect the uh, southeast uh, on Tuesday, especially portions of the Carolinas, Georgia and Florida. The Storm Prediction Center said, well, I hope it doesn't destroy their terrible, unverifiable voting systems in those states. See, a one track mind is what I have here. (laughs) Much more on why the gods have good reason to be angry coming up a bit later in our latest Green News report as the U.N. climate talks in Madrid ended in uh, disaster. Disappointment and recrimination. Let's just put it that way. How about sabotage? Can we use that word? Thanks in no small part to the U.S. undermining any chance of trying to save human civilization from an unstoppable climate crisis. Uh, Well, that, uh, as it looks like, uh, Democratic presidential candidates will be debating this Thursday after all, though whether they discuss how to save human civilization from any number of clear and present dangers right now, that remains to be seen. But Thursday's Democratic debate is uh, was most definitely at risk over the past several days as all of the qualified candidates pledged not to cross the picket line if Loyola Marymount University employees decided to demonstrate at the event as they had announced that they would. However, the labor dispute by the Unite Here union group has now been tentatively resolved due in some part to the intervention of the DNC and its chair, Tom Perez, who, as you may recall, previously served as the secretary of labor under President Obama. So he was particularly interested in this uh, labor dispute being worked out. Unite Here Local 11 represents 31,000 workers in hotels, restaurants, airports, uh, sports arenas, convention centers, and yes, universities like Loyola Marymount throughout Southern California and Arizona. They put out a statement today announcing that the tentative agreement, which is being voted on by members but is seen as likely to end the disagreement, would include a three year agreement. Uh, with a 25% increase in compensation, a 50% drop in health care costs, and increases to workers' job security. Wow, those unions sound terrible, don't they? Why would anyone want to be a part of those? All of the Democratic presidential candidates who had qualified for the debate pledged on Twitter on Friday that they would not cross a picket line to attend the debate. As I said, scheduled for Thursday after learning of the ongoing labor dispute between Unite Here uh, and the food service provider Sedexo, the DNC confirmed in a statement that an agreement had in fact been brokered and that the formal vote is scheduled for later Tuesday, uh, followed by a press avail with, I believe, both Tom Perez and Elizabeth Warren, who was the first of the Democratic candidates last week to say that she would not appear at the debate 
if the strike was still ongoing. Uh, the debate, by the way, is only at Loyola Marymount in the first place because another labor dispute engulfing UCLA, the University of California at Los Angeles, uh, was ongoing there. The Ask Me Union and university uh, system are feuding about outsourcing on medical centers. So we will see if the seven Democrats who have qualified to appear will be able to save the world after all when they show up on Thursday, even as those seven feel that there should be more folks on the stage on Thursday night. Over the weekend, NBC reported on an effort led by Senator Cory Booker in which nine Democratic presidential candidates signed on to call on the DNC to ease qualification thresholds, at least for upcoming debates, after complaining that the debate stage is becoming less diverse. In a letter that was obtained by NBC News over the weekend, they asked the DNC to use previous criteria of meeting either the grassroots donor threshold or the minimum polling threshold instead of having to meet both of them. I believe that uh, Booker met the uh, grassroots donor threshold. Well, he met one, but not the other, as I recall, and I'm not sure which one. In any event, the uh, DNC has refused to change the qualifications. They say they will not change the threshold for any one candidate and will not revert back to two consecutive nights With more than a dozen candidates on stage, our qualification criteria is extremely low, they say, and reflects that reflects where we are in the race. And it's true. Their qualification criteria is extremely low if there was, I don't know, four, five, six, maybe seven candidates in the race. But still, with at least 15 in the race, it's not actually that low. I mean, if the polling threshold is, you know, five percent. It's hard to get 5% when there's 15 people in the race. Oh, definitely. And if you're a billionaire who can afford to blanket the airwaves with ads, that tends to increase your polling. So it's not really fair that the billionaires can come in and buy their way in. All seven candidates participating in the event on Thursday at Loyola in L.A., which uh, now does appear to be on, uh, had signed on to Booker's request, including former Vice President Joe Biden, Senators Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Andrew Yang, and, yes, billionaire Tom Steyer. Also, Julian Castro, who also did not qualify for the debate, along with Cory Booker, who did not qualify. Julian Castro also signed on to that uh, to that letter. But the debate at least will be moving forward with those seven candidates uh, as sponsored by the PBS NewsHour and Politico. And no doubt, well, probably covered right here on the broadcast the following day. The letter comes uh, as it appears uh, that Booker, who has not qualified for that upcoming debate uh, and after uh, Senator Kamala Harris dropped out of the race, means that uh, no black candidates will be represented on the stage. And it also comes amid a growing concern that the field is narrowing to predominantly white candidates, renewing calls for voters to decide which candidates should advance in primaries instead of the DNC. Again, just a crazy idea. What? Leave it to the voters? 
While there is uh, always reliable coverage of the horse race, there is never enough coverage of the track conditions in the corporate broadcast media. So I'll try to get to some important points there in a bit if I can. But there's been so much breaking within just the past hour. I have no idea what I'm going to get to today, (laughs) Desi Doyen. As we're now about a week and a half, though, from the very first ballots in the 2020 contest being sent out on December 28th for New Hampshire. Uh, But who can keep up with it all as the current president is right now, even as we speak, being impeached and as all his men are being sent to prison? Rick Gates, a former deputy campaign chair and top aide, was sentenced to 45 days in jail on Tuesday after pleading guilty to charges involving financial fraud and lying to federal investigators last year. He also received three years of probation and a $20,000 fine, but he avoided a significant prison sentence thanks to the assistance that he gave to federal prosecutors. Federal sentencing guidelines would have recommended between 46 and 57 months in prison instead of 45 days in jail uh, based on the charges that Gates pled guilty to. But Gates was very cooperative with the Robert Mueller special counsel investigation over the past year, such that those prosecutors had actually recommended no jail time at all for Gates. The judge apparently disagreed. Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled that Gates could choose to serve the jail sentence intermittently and when it's convenient for him. Oh, that's pretty nice. I didn't even know that that was an option, to be frank, that they could that a judge could do that. So as long as he gets in his 45 days at some point, uh, that's all he'll have to do, along with the probation and the twenty thousand dollar fine in handing down the sentence. Jackson made note of his uh, of Gates's extensive cooperation with the special counsel and the fact that he is also caring, apparently, for his sick wife and therefore children. In a brief statement in the courtroom, Gates choked up as he expressed regret for his crimes, saying, I I accept completely my responsibility for my actions. Gates said nothing to reporters as he and his lawyer left the courthouse. He cooperated with Mueller's office following his guilty plea in February of 2018. He later testified in the trials of his former boss, Paul Manafort. And um, one time uh, who was one time Trump campaign chair and uh, Trump's longtime associate, Roger Stone. He testified against both of those men in 2018. He had pleaded guilty to assisting Manafort in hiding their work for the Ukrainian government and shielding their income from taxes by running it through offshore bank accounts. Despite both sides recommending leniency, The uh, Judge Jackson said that she struggled to decide an appropriate sentence in light of what she described as the severity of Gates's and Manafort's financial scheme. She noted that Gates had engaged in the crimes over a number of years and of his own free will. She dismissed any notion that he had been negatively influenced by a corporate political culture. She said from the bench that politics don't corrupt people. People corrupt politics. Gates assisted investigators to secure convictions against Stone and Manafort, uh, who was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison because he wouldn't cooperate, said he would originally, but then didn't. 
Stone, for his part, was convicted of seven counts of lying to Congress, obstruction and witness tampering, and is set to be sentenced in February. A lot of the president's men heading to jail or already in it. As to the ongoing impeachment against the president of the United States himself, the man, by the way, that Gates had ultimately been working for on his campaign, on his transition, and after his uh, after he was sworn into the White House, this is uh, well, Donald Trump uh, on uh, Tuesday angrily objected to the House of Representatives articles of impeachment, accusing Democrats of, quote, perversion of justice and abuse of power in their effort, in their constitutional effort, in their constitutionally mandated effort to remove him from office. In a rambling, single-spaced, six-page letter Tuesday to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on the eve of his expected impeachment on Wednesday, Trump maintained he did nothing wrong in seeking foreign investi- uh, in, in seeking a foreign investigation of his own political rivals and using the might and power of uh, the U.S. government to do it, and not just the might and power, but almost $400 million uh, in taxpayer money that was supposed to go to Ukraine for military assistance. And in the letter, he attacked Democrats for focusing on impeachment rather than other issues. Well, actually, Democrats have been focusing on a uh, a lot of other issues, passing a lot of stuff, passing pretty much everything Donald Trump wants them to pass, from Space Force to uh, NAFTA version 2.0 to uh, more than a trillion dollars today, uh, much of which will go to Donald Trump's border wall. So not sure what he's complaining about on that front, but, you know, making sense doesn't actually matter for this president. He also repeated his objections to the process of the House inquiry, claiming, quote, more due process was afforded to those accused in the Salem witch trials than he has enjoyed in this uh, in this impeachment. Desi Doyen, have you got? Did you get a chance to read this letter? I know it just came out. Uh, I got past- through the first three or so paragraphs and recognized that there really wasn't anything that was well, newsworthy there beyond the fact that he seems to be very mentally unwell. Well, exactly, which is why I think that this is uh, needs to be read. I'm don't worry, I'm not going to read all six pages. Uh, but I did want to read a few of the, uh, o- the few of the opening paragraphs here just to give you a sense of this amazing letter. Again, six pages of this single space, dear Madam Speaker. And remember, this is the President of the United States. It is. Dear Madam Speaker, I write to express my strongest and most powerful protest against the partisan impeachment crusade being pursued by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. This impeachment represents an unprecedented and unconstitutional abuse of power by Democrat lawmakers, unequaled in nearly two and a half centuries of American legislative history. The articles of impeachment introduced by the House Judiciary Committee are not recognizable under any standard of constitutional theory, interpretation, or jurisprudence. They include no crimes, no misdemeanors, and no offenses whatsoever. 
Well, I guess as long as you don't count the multiple federal crimes, including bribery and uh, wire uh, tap wire fraud. Uh, anyway, he says you have cheapened the importance of the very ugly word impeachment. <laughs> Exclamation point. By proceeding with your invalid impeachment, it's invalid. Invalid impeachment, you are violating your oaths of office. You are breaking your allegiance to the Constitution. You are declaring open war on American democracy. You dare to invoke the Founding Fathers in pursuit of this election nullification scheme. Yet your spiteful actions display unfettered contempt for America's founding and your egregious conduct threatens to destroy that which our founders pledged their very lives to build. Even worse than offending the founding fathers, you are offending Americans of faith by continually saying, I pray for the president. Oh, that drives him crazy when Nancy Pelosi <laughs> says that. Uh, when you know, when you know that this statement is not true unless it is meant in a negative sense. It is a terrible thing you are doing, but you will have to live with it, not I. As I said, this goes on for uh, six pages of this. I'll read you just a few more sentences here. You are the ones interfering in America's elections. You are the ones subverting America's democracy. You are the ones obstructing justice. You are the ones bringing pain and suffering to our republic for your own selfish, personal, political and partisan gain. History will judge you harshly. The president of the United States says, as you proceed with this impeachment charade, your legacy will be that of turning the House of Representatives from a revered legislative body into a star chamber of partisan persecution. I have no doubt the American people will hold you and the Democrats fully responsible in the upcoming 2020 election. They will not soon forgive your perversion of justice and abuse of power. P.S. I'm rubber, you're glue. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is. Uh, as I said, that goes on for six pages. I just read a few paragraphs of that. But one of the reasons, I, uh, aside from giving you a state of the president's mindset here. Such um, as it is. You know, so much of his defense and the defense of, uh, against his impeachment that we've heard from Republicans is just stuff and mon nonsense and made up lies and things that, frankly, I don't share it very much. I want to. I looked very closely through many hours of that uh, hearing that I watched in the House Judiciary Committee a few days ago trying to find something that was a reasonable representation of what the uh, president's defense actually was going to be or what it was, but it just all included lies and nonsense that I would have had to, you know, debunk if I presented it at all. So since I have been unfair, I guess, in not giving uh, the president's side of the story, I just wanted to give well, it to you there straight from his mouth. And, of course, his side of the story is not based in any facts or evidence. So you can't really defend the indefensible. And since they have no defense for these indefensible acts, now they're just trying to cloud the issue, obstruct, and try to uh, toss up smoke wherever they can. Trump said he doesn't believe the letter will change anything, but that he is registering his objections, quote, for the purpose of history. History made, sir. Meanwhile, at the Capitol... 
Uh, House Democrats and Republicans fought over rules of the debate for Wednesday's historic vote on impeaching the president. The Democratic Majority House Rules Committee met uh, throughout the day on Tuesday. Lawmakers argued over the parameters for the debate on Wednesday, which is expected to culminate in expected. We'll see. But it's expected to culminate in votes to make Trump the third president and only the third president to be impeached in American history. Chairman uh, Jim McGovern, Democrat of Massachusetts, chair of the House Rules Committee, said it's unfortunate that we have to be here today, but the actions of the president of the United States make that necessary. He said the evidence is as clear as it is overwhelming that the president jeopardized our national security and he undermined our democracy, adding that every day we let President Trump act like the law does not apply to him. We move a little closer to rule by dictators. In response to Republicans' claims that this matter was moving so quickly due to the clock and the calendar, as Republican ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee Doug Collins uh, claimed over and over again, and by the way, there is, he does have a point. They are moving quickly because they know we're coming into an election year and this all does necessarily have to move quickly. Uh, But McGovern uh, said there was another reason that it is not only about the clock or the calendar, but about stopping, quote, a crime in progress. My friends try to characterize this as trying to overturn the last election. I look at this, you know, as a crime in progress um, and that we're trying to prevent the president from rigging the next election. And again, um, I I have I've never, ever, ever seen or witnessed a moment like this where a president of either party has publicly invited foreign intervention uh, in our election. He did it when he was running for, for president. Uh, he did it with Ukraine. And, um, and, I, and, and the administration has purposely decided not to cooperate, uh, to drag their feet, hoping that, you know, we'll get through the next election. I mean, this is, I said it's wrong. I mean, it is beyond the pale. Beyond the pale, uh, at the very least, that was Congressman Jim McGovern speaking today in the U.S. House Rules Committee as they uh, set the uh, rules for for debate for the impeachment of Donald John Trump on Wednesday. And I got to say, even though I do actually wish it would go on longer because there are so many crimes that ought to be included in these articles of impeachment and so many more witnesses that we should be hearing from. I do have some sympathy for the notion that, hey, we are trying to stop a crime, whether that crime will actually be stopped through this measure uh, is of uh, is of some debate. And so we will see how and if things do move forward after the vote on Wednesday. The top committee Republican Tom Cole of Oklahoma said that the uh, split view among Americans over impeachment should be reason enough to not proceed With this rare action, he said, quote, when half of Americans are telling you what you are doing is wrong, you should listen. Now, mind you, half of Americans, a full 50 percent, according to Fox News, that's right, Fox News polling that just came out this week on Monday, 50 percent reveal that a full half of Americans want Trump not only impeached, but also removed from office. 
That versus just 41 percent who do not uh, want him removed or impeached and another 4 percent who do want him impeached but not removed from office. So that is 54 percent in favor of what the Democrats are doing here uh, and 41 opposed. Mr. Cole, perhaps you should listen to what half of the American people are trying to say to you. And I would also add that when these same Republicans, and I can't recall if uh, Tom Cole uh, was in the House back in 1998, but these same Republicans went ahead, moved forward with impeachment against Bill Clinton, even though there was never more than 29 percent who favored impeachment, much less removal. Twenty nine was the high mark. We are already at 50 percent, at least according to Fox News. Other polls have been higher, but, you know. At the same time, Democrats are uh, amassing their own majority in uh, to vote in favor of this from their ranks as lawmakers, including many freshmen who could risk re-election in the fall who are in districts where Trump is popular, they announced that they will, almost all of them, uh, will in fact join in voting for those two articles of impeachment on Wednesday. As the impeachment uh, is now set in the House, attention is shifting to the Senate, which under the Constitution is required to hold a trial on the charges. That is expected to begin in January. Again, we will see if it does. Yesterday, we told you about the letter from Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell seeking testimony from uh, four of uh, four top Trump officials who witnessed Trump's extortion plot against Ukraine, for which he is being impeached, including uh, Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Well, today McConnell gave his answer to Schumer. Uh, McConnell, who is uh, supposed uh, to, to impartially oversee the senators who will have to pledge their to impartially review the case before them, uh, before voting on whether to remove the president, McConnell rejected Schumer's request. He said if the House Democrats case is this deficient, this thin, the answer is not for the judge and jury to cure it here in the Senate. He's actually calling himself the jury, even though he was all over Fox News last week saying that he's working with the defendant. Colluding with the defendant exactly. and the White House counsel to rig the Senate trial. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, so weird because these officials, they could call them and they could very well exonerate Trump. But it's just so weird. McConnell does not want to call them for some reason. I don't What's understand. That about? Well, he says if it's this thin uh, that the answer is that the House should not impeach in the first place. So basically what he's saying here is that if the White House uh, was able to obstruct Congress by refusing to allow those very same people, uh, you know, to to avoid answering lawful congressional subpoenas in the House, if they were able to pull that off, we should help the president to continue to obstruct Congress and not hear from the people who have firsthand knowledge, firsthand testimony of, you know, what all of the president's men did here when they witnessed this crime firsthand. We should not hear from them, even though there is no dispute that, yes, they witnessed the crime. God forbid we should hear firsthand witnesses. In other words, this election also, 
The one for removal of the president will be as rigged and fixed as any that has ever involved Donald Trump. And this time, Republicans are simply openly rigging it for him in violation of their sworn oaths prescribed by the U.S. Constitution to uh, impartially judge such a trial. Uh, Have I mentioned lately that this nation is in a very, very dangerous place? Uh, Schumer asked from the uh, Senate floor uh, in a not-at-all-fiery statement that doesn't even come close to meeting the gravity of this moment, why is the leader, why is the president so afraid to have these witnesses come testify? They certainly ought to be heard, he politely added before slinking away. And thank you. Is Chuck Schumer a Canadian? (laughs) Just asking. Just asking. The president, uh, quote, betrayed the nation by abusing his high office to enlist a foreign power in corruption, in corrupting democratic elections, according to the 650 page report from the House Judiciary Committee. I guess that is that that thin case that uh, Mitch McConnell was talking about. He withheld military aid from uh, from uh, Ukraine, an ally, as leverage, according to the report. And Trump, by such conduct, has demonstrated that he will remain a threat to national security and the Constitution if allowed to remain in office. After what the report describes, as I said, as violations of multiple federal crimes, including bribery, wire fraud, among others. The report says the president then engaged in an unprecedented attempt to block the investigation and cover up his misconduct, which also, I believe, no one actually disputes. For our part, we uh, try anyway to remain focused on Plan B. That would be the removal of Donald Trump via ballot box. But there, too, many are working hard to rig and fix that election as well. The only question is, will we allow them? Your update on 2020 election integrity or lack thereof is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, so uh, plan B. If you can't impeach the guy, vote the guy out of office. Well, uh, voting the guy out of office may not be quite as easy as many people think or hope that it might be. Um, We talk a lot on this program, of course, about problems with voting systems, and I've got uh, a whole bunch more that I was hoping to get to today. But, you know, thanks to Trump's six page letter, then we're going to have to just put that off as well. (laughs) Uh, But never mind how you vote for hundreds of thousands in 2020. The question may be whether they are allowed to vote at all. Uh, You may have heard uh, 
some of this, but I think it all needs underscoring. A state judge uh, late last week ordered more than 200,000 voters to be kicked off of the voting rules in Wisconsin ahead of the 2020 elections. This just three years after Donald Trump won that state reportedly. Remember, we were not allowed to actually count all of the ballots. Uh, but he reportedly won that state by fewer than 23,000 votes, and now a state judge is kicking off 200,000 of them. The voters were initially listed in an October letter from the Wisconsin Election Commission as having potentially changed addresses. They would have been purged in 2021, which is what the Wisconsin Election Commission uh, wanted, but a lawsuit from the right-wing Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty argued that the date should be pushed up to before the 2020 election, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Ozaki County Circuit Court Judge Paul Malloy ordered the government to do so, to remove these 200,000 voters, and he rejected calls from the state commission and from the League of Women Voters to stay his order pending an appeal, according to the Sentinel. No, you got to do it right now. Uh, never mind irreparable harm. Do it right now. Remove them. Don't wait for an appeal. Malloy was appointed by Republican Governor Scott McCallum back in 2002 as a judge. He has been elected to the post three times since then. Assistant Attorney General Carla uh, Keckhover, representing the uh, Wisconsin Election Commission, argued that to do this now would create chaos. The judge didn't care. Purged voters, however, do have a chance to re-register, but only a few thousand have done so so far, even though this uh, list of voters to be purged has been available since October. Uh, Democratic Governor Tony Evers tweeted on Friday, he said, I won the race for governor by less than 30,000 votes. This move, pushed by Republicans to remove 200,000 Wisconsinites from the voter rolls, is just another attempt at overriding the will of the people and stifling the democratic process. Hey, where are all those Republicans in Congress who say that impeachment is just an attempt to undo an election? Why aren't they outraged about what's going on in Wisconsin? Oh, yeah, they were the ones suing to make it happen. Democratic Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett said that Republicans are trying to, quote, rig the vote. He said they're trying to do everything they can to create discrepancies and to minimize the vote in areas that they don't think you're going to uh, vote for Donald Trump or other Republican candidates. The League of Women Voters of Wisconsin, which sought to intervene in the lawsuit but was rejected by the judge on Friday, would not even let them intervene. They are also looking into ways to assist people who may be purged, according to the group's director. And uh, yes, there is a preponderance, a disproportional, uh, disproportionate number of folks who are being purged who live in Democratic uh, counties. As a matter of fact, uh, of those who are being purged, I believe it is uh, the, the counties with the most voters being uh, purged. Nine out of the 10 of them supported Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump back in uh, in 2016. Now, uh, today uh, in a so well, I'll call it an encouraging follow up. AP is reporting 
that Democrats in Wisconsin are vowing to redouble their efforts to ensure that any voters whose registrations have been nullified by that uh, judge's recent ruling, that they will be able to register again before the 2020 presidential election. Legal appeals in this case could delay for months enforcement of the judge's order to purge more than 200,000 voters. Uh, And these are voters who did not respond. Their crime was that they did not respond within 30 days to letters seeking confirmation of their addresses. This case is expected to go all the way to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. However, that court is controlled by uh, five to two by Republicans. The Wisconsin Democratic Party will use the state's open records law, they say, to obtain the names of everyone who will be purged and systematically contact those most likely to be Democrats so they can re-register. Frankly, I wish they would contact everyone, but you know what? They got an election to run. I guess let the Republicans re-register the ones who are most likely Republicans who are being purged. Right, and this effort takes time and people to undertake. Ben Wickler, the uh, chair of the state Democratic Party, says this is an organizing challenge. It is not a crisis. He said it just adds to our to-do list. It's a reason to work, not to freak out. I like that Ben Wickler guy. <laughs> Uh, Wisconsin, however, is hardly the only battleground where voters are being kicked off the rolls uh, seemingly indiscriminately. About 309,000 names have now been erased from Georgia's list of registered voters as of Monday night, a mass cancellation that a federal judge allowed to move forward, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Voting rights group Fair Fight Action said in federal court on Monday that the registration cancellations targeted roughly 120,000 inactive voters who would otherwise be eligible to participate in elections, but they are being removed because they had the temerity to not cast a ballot since at least 2012. So that means if you voted in 2012, let's say for the um, the, the, for the re-election of, uh, of Barack Obama in 2012. But you decided to sit out the last presidential election. If you don't vote for off-year elections, mid midterm elections and so forth, but only presidential elections, but you skipped the previous one. You were sick. You were out of the country. All kinds of reasons. You're out. You're out. The rest of the people on the cancellation list either moved from Georgia or uh, mail sent to them by election officials was undeliverable. Uh, So that's a good reason to remove those folks. But at least 120,000 of them, at least as Fair Fight argues, should not be removed. Nonetheless, as of uh, Tuesday, the number of registered voters in Georgia has shrunk from 7.4 million to 7.1 million. While all states are required by federal law to routinely update the voter lists, Georgia's laws are much stricter than most. They are one of nine states who use the use it or lose it law, which allows registrations to be canceled after voters fail to participate in elections for a number of years which uh, is in violation of the uh, Voter uh, Registration Act, and yet the Supreme Court let this stand in a ruling uh, that was brought out of the state of Ohio last year or uh, earlier this year, I guess. 
Lauren Grow-Wargo, the Fair Fight uh, CEO, said Georgians should not lose their right to vote simply because they have not expressed that right in recent elections. The practice of removing voters who have declined to participate in recent elections violates the U.S. Constitution, she argued. In his ruling, however, on Monday, U.S. District Judge Steve Jones said that he could still order election officials to quickly reinstate these canceled voters and that he will consider that uh, during a court hearing on Thursday. So maybe those uh, voters will will be uh, reinstated after a pending hearing. I don't know what the rush is. I mean, when you talk about... Oh, you know what the rush is. Well, uh, no, I don't. Not from these federal judges who I, I believe... I mean, I know the guy in... Uh, Wisconsin? Wisconsin is is up to no good, but I'm not sure that's the case with uh, Judge Steve Jones. I think he's a Barack Obama appointee, so I'm not sure what the har- you know what the, what the hurry is when you're talking about potentially irreparable harm in these cases. Uh, Nonetheless, this year's cancellations in Georgia come after the state removed half a million registrations back in July of 2017. That, at the time, was the largest single removal of voters in U.S. history. And in this case, uh, the law basically... Uh, the, the law had said in Georgia that they could be removed from the rolls after seven years of non-voting. Well, that law has now been changed to nine years. Well, that's good. However, a whole bunch of these people on this list are getting caught under the old rule, under the old law of seven years instead of nine years. If and that's what they basically what what they're going to be arguing still in court. If election officials retroactively applied the current law to those people on the removal list, well, there would still be about fifty thousand registrations uh, that would have been inactive for nine years. But um, according, but that that would leave seventy thousand voters whose registrations could be restored under that longer period of time. But no, we got to hurry up and got to get rid of them. Hopefully, uh, the judge says he only allowed this to move forward after being assured by the state. Why should he worry about what the state of Georgia tells him? Assured by the state that these people could immediately be uh, reinst- uh, reenacted within 24 to 48 hours if things change after Thursday's hearing. Unfortunately, it's not just in right-leaning states where voters may be surprised to find themselves removed from the rolls when they go to vote in the 2020 primaries and the general election. So let this be our warning to you to begin checking your registration now to make sure that you are registered. Because, by the way, in Georgia, a lot of those people that were being removed are people who voted in the 2016 presidential election who were not even shouldn't have been removed even under the seven year rule, much less the nine year rule. They don't understand why they're being marked for removal. But it's not just those right leaning states. Uh, The uh, San Francisco Guardian reports on uh, uh, this week that if you are registered to vote in Contra Costa County in California, Make sure to check your voter registration status sooner rather than later. In fact, if you live anywhere in California, make sure to check your voter registration status sooner than uh, rather than later. In a press release sent out by the Contra Costa County Elections Division on Tuesday, 
Voters were cautioned that during the 2018 rollout of the automatic voter registration system in the state of California, some voters' party preferences were overwritten. As such, individuals who registered with a party may have been swapped to no party preference. Now, if so, that means if you don't know that you are set as no party preference, NPP, um, you may not be able to vote in the Democratic primary, in the uh, Republican uh, primary. Well, actually, you definitely can't vote in the Republican primary right. if you have been uh, uh, changed to no party preference, because in order to vote in the Republican primary in California, you have to be a registered Republican. However, a no party preference voter in California can vote in the Democratic primary. And in the Libertarian primary and in the, uh, what is it, American Independent primary. But only if you know to ask for a vote for one of those uh, party primaries. And yet it looks like uh, thousands of voters, due to a, yes, computer glitch, 100,000 registration errors from the automatic system uh, may have screwed up the uh, party registration for a whole bunch of voters. So all I can do is tell you... Check your voter registration, check it again, and then for safety, check it one more time. If you're in California, you can go to voterstatus.sos.ca.gov. That's voterstatus.sos.ca.gov. And remember to tell your friends and your family oh, yeah. to also check their registration frequently, at least three times between now and the primary, and then again at least three times before the general election. We will be doing a lot of this as we move forward, especially out here in California where it gets very confusing when it comes to which primaries that so-called no-party preference voters are allowed to vote in and not allowed to vote in. There was a very confusing letter sent out by the Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan here in Los Angeles uh, along those lines to people who have vote who do vote by mail, automatic vote by mail, warning them that, hey, unless you ask for it, if you are on the list of automatic vote by mail here in California, unless you ask specifically for a crossover ballot to vote in, let's say, the Democratic primary then uh, you will not have presidential options on your ballot. Don't be surprised. Pay attention and request a Democratic ballot if that's the party you wish to vote in. All right, got to get out and get to Green News Report. I told you it was a busy day and the gods are angry. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to, 
That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Man, this is difficult. Man, yes. this is hard. It really is like Sophie's Choice when, oh, I can't cover that story. I can't do cover this story. Uh, but it is just madness. We are doing the best we can, and we uh, thank you for allowing all of our failures along the way. <laughs> uh, speaking of failures, Desi Doyen, <laughs> let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. The talks failed to achieve nearly any of its stated goals. U.N. Climate Summit ends with recriminations and disappointment as U.S. plays spoiler. Accelerating Greenland ice melt on track for worst-case scenario sea level rise. Plus... Our goal is to reconcile the economy with our planet. European Union targets net zero carbon by 2050 with a European Green Deal. Green New Deal? Nope, Green Deal. All of those new deals and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Tell me what you think about the future. Will there be one? There absolutely will be a future, especially at NASA. You know, as amazing as our last 50 years were, our next 50 are even going to be more amazing. Well, you heard it here. We've got 50 years left. (laughs) I'm glad we got 50. This is your Green News Report. That's not what I said. Okay, Desi Doyen, I don't know if it's my imagination, but this is the first time that I recall coming out of a uh, UN climate summit when everybody seems to be disappointed and angry. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. There was widespread disappointment at the Marathon United Nations climate talks that ended in Madrid on Sunday. They were intended to negotiate the rule book for the International Paris Climate Agreement to combat man-made climate change. This was after the United States and other major polluters succeeded at blocking even a non-binding statement that encouraged countries to adopt more ambitious targets for cutting their greenhouse gas emissions. Spoilers were China, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Brazil, and, of course, the United States, which is still a party to the Paris Agreement because President Trump's withdrawal is not complete until the day after the 2020 presidential election. How much do you attribute this to the lack of U.S. leadership at uh, at these conferences? Easily all of it. Really? Yes. The Trump administration also quashed efforts to get wealthy countries to increase transition funding for poor nations who are not responsible for causing climate change and to help them repair and adapt to climate impacts. The talks postponed until next year a decision on establishing an international carbon market, considered a key tool for trying to slow down climate change. In part, that was after Australia and Brazil watered down language to give themselves loopholes Mm. and double accounting tricks so that they could pollute even more. In a statement, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres called the pushback from polluters a, quote, deep disappointment. We are not on track. Emissions are still growing, so the reality is still nothing comparable 
with the commitments that we hope will be made. Guterres called on all countries next year to officially commit to reach carbon neutrality in 2050. Current national pledges under the Paris Climate Agreement are not enough to do that. So are next year's talks scheduled to happen before or after the U.S. presidential election? After. Maybe that's good. Mm, We'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, a new study confirms that man-made global warming is accelerating melting of the Greenland ice sheet. Greenland today is losing ice seven times faster than it did in the 1990s. The rate has doubled every decade since then. The researchers calculate that this increase in Greenland's melt rate puts the world on track for the worst-case sea level rise scenario projected by U.N. scientists. Instead of three or four feet by 2100, we might see six to eight feet of sea level rise, which would drown major coastal cities like Miami. Six to eight feet of ocean rise by the end of the century? Yes. Finally, there is some good news. Good. The European Union is pushing ahead with climate action. European Union leaders agreed to make the 28-member bloc carbon neutral by 2050 with a special temporary exemption for Poland, which is dependent on coal. And the European Union Commission unveiled a roadmap to get there to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 called the EU Green Deal. It includes a just transition mechanism to help fossil fuel countries transition to clean energy, a plan to promote a circular economy to eliminate waste and encourage sustainable food production, and it includes a proposal for a carbon border tax on foreign imports. Here's European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Our goal is to reconcile the economy with our planet, to reconcile the way we produce, the way we consume with our planet. The old growth model that is based on fossil fuels and pollution is out of date and it is out of touch with our planet. Well, at least the European Union is coming to terms with what's gone so terribly wrong here. It's going to take a lot more than that, I'm afraid. But we'll take what we can get. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And our thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without. Yeah, that's funny. Funny but sad. Funny, funny, sad. Sad because it's so funny. Funny because it's so sad. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, for another finely produced broadcast and Green News Report. My thanks also to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download them all, share them with friends, collect them all by stopping (laughs) by bradblog.com. And we thank those of you who help support our work (laughs) We struggle like hell to pull off every day uh, by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. uh, And you can do so before the end of the year for your holiday end of year giving. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I hope you will share all that we do there as well. You will find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. And that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. 
Good luck, world. Bye.